This podcast is a product of the 4th and Inches Network. A podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW. Enjoy the show and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Husky Nation, it's the end of the third quarter. Are you looking for the perfect tequila for your next get-together? The answer is born from a hero. Hero de Leon. Direct from the prestigious Merguilla family just outside Guadalajara honoring their great-grandfather who saved Mexico from a horrible civil war. It's authentic, courageous, with great integrity, just like the general. Enjoy the smoothest Blanco tequila you've ever tasted, or the rich flavor of our Reposado, aged for seven months in American bourbon barrels. Or the ultimate tequila, our Añejo, which is aged for 18 months in the same bourbon oak barrels. Go to your favorite liquor retailer or restaurant and ask for Hero de Leon because it's always the end of the third quarter. Imported by Zombie Beverages, Mercer Island, Washington. Welcome to Husky Heights, where we talk about all things University of Washington women's gymnastics. Today, we're recapping the Pac-12 championships, where the gym dogs tied for second in the first session. The regionals bracket has now been announced, so we'll also be discussing where the gym dogs are headed. Krista, would you like to recap the meet results? Sure. So overall, combining the first and second session, we have Utah in first with a 197.925, UCLA in second with a 197.85, Cal with a in third with a 197.825, Oregon State with a 197.2, Arizona State with a 196.7, Washington with a 196. 0.375 and Arizona also had the same score so they tied for sixth in the conference and then last was Stanford and they came in with a 195.875 so overall yeah. I think this is about where we expected to land in the conference I was actually surprised that Arizona was able to catch us with a tie and it's too bad that they didn't break the tie because uh at this meet there were actually four judges for each event normally there's only two and then they drop the high one high score and one low score and so I would have liked for them to break the tie by including those other judging scores but uh so for now I guess I don't think they broke the tie like I saw the score sheet basically said we're tied so that's how it went yeah, they announced it as both Washington and Arizona being being in sixth place. So I don't think they broke it. Uh, most teams, actually, I think all teams had a phenomenal beam rotation, which was unusual. <laughs> um, yeah, Washington had three nine nines in that lineup, which was very exciting. Yeah, overall, I think this was um, this was really fun. So Susie and I were there in person. Susie was was photographing, and I was in the audience sitting with the Washington parents. And I just want to give a shout out and say thanks to all the Washington parents for letting me sit with them and just being so sweet. There's a lot of them that listen to the podcast, and they're just an amazing group of folks. And I just feel like even more proud of this team, just knowing how much the gym dog parents support the gymnasts and how much they travel to meets. And it was just so fun getting to know them. Overall, like this was, I just loved the atmosphere. It was really fun. It was a really tight race. Like both sessions were really tight. Um, they came down to the last few routines, especially in the second session, which was um, like the higher ranked schools. It came down to the very last event, which is really exciting. And 
overall, like there's just so much talent. It's hard to believe that all of these teams are in the top 27 in the country for eight teams. That's, that's amazing. So um, highly recommend if you ever get the chance, go to Pac-12 championships because the energy in the room was outstanding. It was just overall really fun. Um, I do want to say I feel bad for Stanford. They really fell short of expectations. Uh, nobody, you know, we want to beat Stanford, but not like that. You know, they, they had some issues on, uh, I believe it was bars where they first had some issues and then. Yeah, they started on bars and had a bit of a rough time. Um, on beam, they had one fall, but still were able to put up a very high score. But then floor, they unfortunately had two falls. So they did have to count one of those. So that kind of sealed their fate after that rotation. Yeah, so that was, that was definitely tough to watch. But, um, you know, at the same time, happy we were able to come out a little higher than last year. Uh, one thing to note is that our score at, at Pac-12s last year was a 196.4. And this year was a 196.375. So we're right right there very almost past that but uh, one thing to note is that we had a couple people who weren't in the lineup who are normally in the lineup and that was to win on floor she was out this week and then lily tubbs on bars so uh there were some gymnasts who fill in filled in there and um so there's definitely you know higher scoring potential than i think what we displayed at pack 12s but it was overall good meet we stayed on all all apparatuses we didn't have any falls um we had a couple small errors but nothing like too catastrophic not like it's just it's just great when we can you know hit all routines and when i say hit i personally there's actually been a debate lately what does a hit routine mean for me it's like you stayed on and you did all of the elements um if you like missed a connection or um or you know missed an element then that's not hit but we hit all of our routines i think for the debate on what a hit is i would say if you have all your skills, you stay on and you don't have any mistake that's over two tenths. Because if you have a big wobble on beam, but stay on, I wouldn't necessarily call that hit because you'd get a nine seven max. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I'm being optimistic today, but I would say overall, we well, we didn't fall. <laughs> so I would well, say I'm it was a hit. I, I would say it was a hit meet. I mean, definitely there was, you know, just kind of being in the... um in the arena, like there was definitely that feeling of like, oh, we almost had it. You know, we were in the lead after the second rotation. Um, and then going into vault, it was, you know, it was a little tough. We only have, we've talked about this before, but we only have Yurchenko full vaults right now. And then one Yurchenko half. So we don't have the full 10 of start value. And when we're not able to, you know, fully absorb our landings on vault or stick them or just have like really clear, uh, really clean gymnastics in the air. It's just really tough to, um, you know, score above a 90. And so, you know, vault is thing where things, you know, we weren't hitting quite where we were in the first two rotations. So we started on beam and then went to floor and we're doing really well when, you know, above 49 for each of those. And then unfortunately on vault, um, we just, again, they were, they were hit, but like, they just weren't our best vaults. And that was kind of what set us behind in the third rotation. And then bars was a little bit hard for us to see because you're at kind of an angle. So we couldn't really see they're hitting handstands. And then unfortunately my sling recording did not catch the last rotation. So I wasn't able to see bars too well, but uh, again, like we said, there weren't any falls or any like super major errors, just um, a little bit of missed handstands, a little bit of landing deductions. And so uh, that's kind of what gave away some scoring potential there, but overall it was a good meet. 
So we started the meet on beam. And as I mentioned earlier, we had three scores of nine, nine, which was very exciting. Brenna Brooks got a nine, nine in the leadoff spot, which was her second highest score of the season. So we were thrilled to see her get that strong score that she deserves for all of the amazing routines she's done this year, including this one. Skylar Killa Wilhelm also got a nine, nine. And so did Kennedy Davis. And Lana had a bit of a rough landing on her beam routine, so that could have affected why she scored lower on vault later in the competition, but she had a great save on her triple series, so shout out to her for that. And Morgan's beam and Dia weren't on the broadcast, but from what I could see, they both had good routines and got good scores. Yeah, so I think Morgan had just like a little bit of a break um, where she kind of bent forward, not like fully. Um, it wasn't like, you know, the bent, I don't know, how do you describe like the bend forward at the hips, but it wasn't like so major that they point to put hook point three. So she was able to save that and um, reduce the, the deduction on that. So for bending at the hips, you have to look at the angle of the hip bend and anything under 90 degrees will be less than three tenths. But if it's 90 degrees or over, then it's three tenths. Brenna just started off that rotation so well, as she always does. Like, we never expect any less from her. But it was an amazing routine. She was so clean and just, she just did what she always does. She just radiates confidence. And I think the team really needs that, especially being the first gymnast of the meet to compete. And then also just being first up on beam. Like, she really set the tone for that rotation really well. And I think kind of brought down the nerves I didn't see too many nerves on beam even when I was re-watching on the broadcast like I seemed very confident and I think that kind of came through from Brenna Brooks routine and then I was really happy to see Skylar get 9-9 again because she did that at the beginning of the year and that was another routine that was really clean and controlled and then Kennedy was in the anchor position and we really needed her to hit just because because Lana had some issues in her routine. So we really needed Kennedy to hit the ball out of the park and she did. And it was just so fun to watch. Um, she had a lot of confidence as well. And I think that just set the tone for the rest of the meet. Um, one thing to note is that last year we started pack 12s on floor and it didn't start off so well. And this year we started on beam and it just went a lot better. So I guess since we've started on beam a lot, recently in these quad meets it kind of felt comfortable for them and so I'm glad they were able to do that and um, do so well in the first rotation. It's also interesting because they had a choice between starting on floor or beam and last year at Pac-12s they had that same choice and they chose floor so they went with a different event this time. Yeah I'm glad that they did that. I think it was a really good choice which is also admirable because you know, they said it on the broadcast, but if you have like a lot of adrenaline going, beam can be a really hard event to um, stay calm on. So I, I'm glad they got it out of the way. Um, I kind of just like breathe a sigh of relief, like beam's over um, and it went so well. So I was really happy about that. And then moving on to floor. So, oh, I should have mentioned overall, our score on beam was a 49.325, which is just under our season high. So that was a great score, something we want to. So moving on to floor, uh, we scored a 49.225. And Amara Cunningham, of course, got her 9.9 once again. And Kennedy Davis followed that up with a 9.875. And this was her return to the floor lineup. She was in the floor lineup the first week, had some issues with her tumbling. I think they were working on that in the gym, made a few updates to her routine. I saw she added a stag jump after her 
double fill, which was really cool. And just really happy to see that she made that comeback. Lana had some issues with her landings um, on the, she kind of lands on a sting mat. And sometimes those things can actually like cause you to lose a little bit of balance. And I think that was a little bit of the case in this routine, just from what I saw. Um, but we know she can, she can do better. And um, overall, I'm everything else in her routine other than those landings was really clean. Her dance was great. Her performance quality was great. So hopefully she'll be able to come back at the next meet. It was just a little bit of an off landing day for Lana, but also they were on podium. And I think it was the first time they'd been on podium in a while. And that always, it can add power. It can just make things feel weird because they feel different. And it just could be readjusting to podium. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's so important. I think that they have so many other podium meets earlier in the season just to get used to it and you know there's only so much you can do because I think it's hard to switch back and forth between podium and basketball court (laughs) surfaces yeah they had great energy during floor I got some great photos of the whole team cheering on whoever was currently on the floor so that was really fun to see and in case we don't mention it later they had an inflatable husky at this meet which I believe was purchased by Emily's family so that that was very entertaining I loved seeing them carry that husky around (laughs) so I hope that husky will make an appearance at future meets too can that be their stick crown I hope so (laughs) yeah that's easy to transport because you can deflate it and stick it in a carry-on it's perfect. That's what I, I said. It. That's exactly what I said to the other parents. I was like, well, at least I can get it through security really easily. Uh, it's yeah, it's transportable. They also have the cowgirl hat, like the purple cowgirl hat that has like, they put uh, UW gymnastics on the front, which is super cute. I, I'm guessing they uh, started that when at the TWU meet last week. But uh, I thought that was really that's a good stick hat as well it's just so funny because in the beginning of the season we were just saying like oh we need a stick crown type of thing like a stick thing um and now we have two so yeah i loved the inflatable husky i think it like every time they were cheering they were just like throwing it in the air it was so funny and i i don't even know if it made the broadcast i didn't see it when i rewatched. if it was on the tv did you see it kaya i don't think so but honestly when i was re-watching i was just kind of skipping until there was a UW routine. I will yeah, be honest. Like, I, do have, I haven't watched much of the first session. I was working when it was happening happening live. So when I went back, I just kind of watched UW routines. But yeah, anyway, it's just, I think, added an extra, like, feeling of like lightheartedness and fun to the meet it really did yeah 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 it's just so funny looking too because it has a really small head it does (laughs) 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 and then there's like a photo that you got Susie with like with Emily's like carrying it around on her back it's like a backpack (laughs) yeah that was between rotations when they were moving to the next event so I was glad I was able to get that shot I think they should okay. put, sorry, I think they should put the hat on the dog and then have a two for one. The Washington there Gymnastics cowboy hat on the inflatable husky. Then we don't have I to compromise it. her either. Yeah. And then you won't have to see the the creepy small head. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Speaking of Emily Innes, I just want to give her kudos because she's in that leadoff spot, which kind of gets that arbitrary, I call it just an arbitrary leadoff deduction, which just means they're a little harsher to the first routine and lineup similar to uh, Brenna in the leadoff on beam. 
but she just carries herself with a lot of confidence and that I think has been radiating throughout the floor lineup and her routine has just become really, really consistent. And she's definitely become a really dependable floor worker for the gym dogs, which is something I think we really need is, you know, gymnasts who can go in and and put up consistent routines week to week. So really excited for Emily and excited to see um, where she takes the rest of her college career. Like I am excited to see her on other events especially as we lose. I know she's a, a beam worker as well. And um, just bringing that confidence to the other events like beam will be really exciting in the future. Yes. It's been great to see how much Emily has improved from the start of the season through now. So I'm even more excited to see how much she'll continue to improve during the, the rest of her career at Washington. I'm sorry. Okay, moving on to vault. So as we mentioned earlier, at this point in the meet, we were actually in the lead, which was like really exciting. Uh, and we had just had two really great rotations on beam and floor. And then we headed over to vault and it was a little trickier just with the podium adding a little extra juice. I think the team was also just like really riled up, really excited that they were doing well. And maybe the adrenaline was just, you know, made it just, I'm just speculating, but probably was a little harder to control, you know, landings on when you add like the podium and then also extra adrenaline and, so the it was not like a bad vault rotation. It just, you know, it's just hard when we're in a conference like Pac-12s to, um, you know, compete with all these other vaults that are maybe adding a 10 of start value. But overall, uh, Skylar Killer Wilhelm got a 9.825 and Kennedy Davis got a 9.8. The judges were really taking a lot of deductions here. So um, the rest of the routines were uh, below 9.8, but there weren't any, you know, major issues um like no falls or anything or no sits down sit downs just um just you know having difficulty controlling those landings yeah i'm i did notice a couple things on landings but again podium emily had a bigger pike down than we've seen in the last few weeks and so she took a pretty sizable hop back but i think i think her timing was just her same timing as landing on the floor but when you pike down and then get extra bounce from the podium instead of a basketball floor, you take a bigger hop back. And another thing I noticed on landings, which was just a little odd, was that Lana took a step back, but then instead of stepping her foot forward again to meet her foot that hadn't stepped, instead she stepped back another time. So it was two tenths instead of one tenth. So that vault could have gone nine eight. Which, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't matter a ton, but it's just a little bit of a weird thing to have happen in postseason. You want to only move one foot if you have to move a foot. I forgot to mention this on floor, but Berena was dancing her heart out in the corner during Amara's routine, and it was really great. Even the commentator said something about it, which I really love that she was just hyping her up. And then on vault, Cody was yelling so loud that the broadcast was picking him up. And I just think that's really great that, I mean, teammates and coaches are just being the biggest hype people, hype person, hype people for the gymnasts and the team. I really wish that they showed the UW parent section on the broadcast because, well, 
it sounded like we were really loud. I don't know. Like I thought for sure, cause we were actually sitting next to the commentators, like kind of adjacent to them. So I thought for sure that we were loud enough that we would be picked up on their mics, but it was funny, like listening back and I like, you could barely hear it, but you could hear like, let's go dogs. Let's go dogs. Like very faintly in the background. Um, but I wish they had shown on camera, like how into it everyone was uh especially uh Brenna's dad and Kennedy's dad like they're just so into it and it was so fun to watch I wish they showed that on the broadcast um but yeah that was definitely the energy that was there it's so different seeing a meet in person versus on tv like there's just so many things in the arena that you just don't pick up and the commentators don't always kind of bring attention to like what's going on in the arena and it's definitely very different when there's like four events going on at watch at once versus the broadcast you're only seeing one sometimes you're just seeing like a gymnast talking up and it just seems very low energy but like in the arena even though this was a very large arena and it was probably only at like 10 percent capacity there was a lot of energy in the room at both in both sessions and i wish that came through on the broadcast so honestly i wish pack 12 had like kind of a better producer director director i want to say for these meets because just the camera angles were not ideal um compared to you know what you would see in person and then also just not being able to see every routine like to me there's no reason that you can't show every routine on the broadcast all you have to do is just like tape delay like a couple minutes from here and there and we've seen when we watch other broadcasts that it's able to be done so yeah just some things like that i'd like to see improved but um overall the you know the meet in person was way better than the broadcast <laughs> led you to believe this is way more fun so if you can ever make it to a if you live in the la area and you can make it to regionals we'll talk about regionals soon definitely try to make it because it's a totally different experience than what you see on tv also, they definitely could have done a quad cam because they had five streams going. They had a stream with commentators that was showing one routine at a time. Then they had a vault bars beam floor stream. So had they just taken the vault bars beam floor and put them all up on one screen, we could have had a quad cam, which would have been way better because I didn't really get to see any of Washington's bars. Yeah, agreed. I... I felt bad because um, I was sitting next to Lily's mom and she was recording like some routines with her on her phone for the other parents that weren't there. And I just thought like, this is so wrong. Like this should all be like easily accessible. Um, but that is the way it is. Hopefully, I mean, with all these Olympians in Pac-12, it's getting a little better, but like I would like to see it get a lot better in terms of coverage and quality of coverage because yeah, the broadcast was better. Than I think it has been in the past, but it definitely needs further improvement still. And we need like SEC quality. That's kind of like the gold standard right now seems to be SEC gymnastics. Um, Pac-12 is just not there yet, which they really need to get there because there's so much talent in this conference. Yeah. And some better commentators too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need Elisa yeah. Mao at every meet. She's, she's the best. Ugh. And at least we often get her for Washington meets, which is really great, but we need her for so every Pac-12 meet. <laughs> We do. She's awesome and like so respectful and kind of calls out the deductions of, without being like disrespectful. And oh, like she, you know, saying things like, oh, she meant to do it this way or was it, like normally it would be done this way or um, or kind of giving the reason behind how the how the gymnast got to that deduction, like talking about what happened in the air to lead to the landing and things like that that we just don't get from some other 
other commentators who shall not be named. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. We like we definitely need some better commentators in the Pac-12 too. I'll probably edit this part um, to move it after floor or after are we when are we on next bars? Um, okay, so moving on to bars, we got a forty nine point oh two five. Some highlights were Taylor Russing got a nine point eight five. And Brenna got a 9825, which <laughs> if I had a dollar for every 9825 that Brenna Brooks got, like both on beam and bars, it seems to be like her signature uh, score, which which is a good score. It's just funny that she always gets the same score. Um, but yeah, overall, as, as we mentioned before, there was a lineup change. So Olivia Opegard was in for Lily Tubbs. Um, one thing we couldn't really see that well from the audience, um, Skylar, Killa Wilhelm and Morgan Bowles both got a 9-8. I couldn't really see why that was. Maybe it was like handstands or, um, or landing deductions. It was, it was, again, it's kind of a bummer we couldn't see the replay, but overall a good rotation. We stayed on. It was a good rotation. It wasn't, uh, a knock it out of the park rotation. We were, I think, uh, we were kind of hoping for like a 49.5 rotation to like come out of nowhere to like kind of save the meat. But um, it was overall a good rotation and they did what they went out to do and stayed on. And we only have more room, you know, we have room to improve for sure. And hopefully we'll see some improvements before regionals. Overall at this meet, it did feel like the first half had super high energy from everyone, including me. And then towards the end, that energy just kind of dipped. I remember when it was only halfway through the meet, I was like, oh, wow, it's only halfway through and starting to feel tired already. So I probably wasn't the only one feeling that way. So that could have contributed to some of the drop off in scores, just starting out with such high energy and then having that drop off towards the end of the meet. Yeah, these are longer than regular meets because there are four teams going at the same time but they have had quad meets the last two weeks i just remembered that so you know judging was really slow i will say like i couldn't believe how much some of the gymnasts had to wait and it was like to me there was no excuse because it's like a quad meet like you got to keep it moving um it took a long time I, i noticed especially on beam and floor the wait time was a lot longer than a normal a normal meet. Granted, they have four judges instead of two. But we talk about how this is hosted in Utah every year. And so this is another thing that was a little different being in person and being and watching um, on TV. When I watched this meet on the broadcast normally and it's in Utah, I thought, oh, it's not a big deal. It's in Utah. Like it's not like on the Utah, you know, University of Utah campus. It's not that big of a deal. No, in person, that is, it is a home Utah meet. Utah like there were it was probably 85% Utah fans and they packed Maverick Center I mean it wasn't like sold out but it was a very overwhelmingly red audience and the second meet was really really close um, between Cal UCLA and Utah and after being there in person I'm now in the camp of yeah it should be at a neutral site for Pac-12s like maybe Vegas or SoCal because UCLA is leaving the conference um but I didn't really think that it was fair because I have to say when the audience is like screaming their heads off for like a really good routine I do think it impacts I don't think that the judges themselves were necessarily like from Utah because I had heard that there were judges that were staying in a hotel nearby I don't think the judges necessarily would have like purposely overscored Utah but I do think that when the crowd is going absolutely nuts for like a floor routine that maybe normally otherwise would have gone like 985 or 98 
judges pick up on that. They pick up on the gymnasts engaging with the crowd and things like that. And I think that does play a role. And I'm not to say, not saying that Utah didn't deserve the title. Frankly, I'm not even sure because we couldn't see all the routines. There's a lot of questions online, like, did UCLA deserve to win? Because it was a very close uh, margin, but it's hard to tell because A, none of us can watch four routines all at once. <laughs> so, um, and B, on the broadcast, there's, they're not showing all the routines. So it's hard to say, I can't say for sure, like, you know, which team deserved to win or anything like that. But I do think that Utah is not a neutral site and um, that needs to be taken into consideration for the future. Completely agree. It was very much a Utah crowd all the way around. And then occasionally you'd see a pocket of purple or blue or orange, but yeah, huge cheers for Utah before and after their routines and during in many cases. So it definitely did not feel like a neutral site at all. And I was actually surprised that it wasn't more sold out than it was. I mean, it wasn't sold out. That's what I mean to say. <laughs> uh, but there are a lot of empty seats. I thought the second session for sure would be sold out because Utah always sells out their home meets or usually does. So I don't know what happened there, but yeah, definitely still a very pro Utah crowd. And I think any of the top three teams has a reasonable argument for being the winner. Ultimately, it was Utah who won. But Cal, UCLA, and Utah were all very good. I think each of them had at least one mistake, like big mistake, fall type mistake. Um, but all of them were able to recover from those mistakes and get very high scores on the remaining routines in each rotation. So it could have gone anyway. I think you can make an argument for any of those teams. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of a fool's errand because it's like you can make the argument that X, Y, Z Utah score was like was overscored. And then I'm like, but you can make the same argument for the X, Y, Z UCLA routine. And um, I know a lot of people were upset about Shay Campbell's routine, which is like a nine nine. Normally she's like a nine nine five on floor. And I watched it back and I was like, yeah, I can kind of see where they took the deductions. Um, so anyway, it's kind of like give or take. It's really hard to say, especially when we can't uh, rewatch everything and like rescore it ourselves or anything. But um, I think it would take some extra things like out of the equation if it was at a neutral site in the future. I think California or Vegas would be a good choice because even like, well, UCLA will not be in the conference next year, which is weird. I'm still getting used to that. I think That's next year. They still are really. Oh, I thought yeah. it was 2024. I have to check on that. I think it's ca or um, school year 2024. So that would be 2025 season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's always so confusing. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, okay. OU is moving next year to the SEC, but yeah. the year after. Okay, that's right. Okay. Well, either way, once UCLA leaves, I think California would be still kind of neutral-ish because Stanford and Cal don't have like huge mountains of fans who are going to like travel long distances um, any more than like Oregon State and Washington would. Um, or like Vegas seems fine, but Utah just doesn't seem neutral and also somebody pointed out they've won pac 12s last three years and they, it's been in utah the last three years can't be too much of a coincidence um so yeah i think that's definitely something i'd like to see change because i'd love for washington to get into that night session in the future so it does uh impact washington i hope that's the goal of the teams as well to especially once ucla leaves the conference that kind of opens up a spot to make it a little easier to get into that night session i think it's possible in a couple of years with the recruits that we have coming in. So definitely thinking a few years ahead. 
And the all-around Skylar Killa Wilhelm got a 39.4, and she tied for first place with Brenna Nault, who's like my personal favorite Stanford gymnast. So I was happy to see if, if Skylar's going to uh, tie with someone, I would love for it to be Brenna Nault. <laughs> Um, so overall, that was a great meet for Skylar, a good, uh, comeback as well. So we had the original sites announced today and UW will be going to regionals in LA, which is super exciting. That should be a very high energy, exciting meet and crowd. So the format of regionals is there is a play in meet on the first day. And what this is, is the two lowest ranked teams at each regional will battle it out. Um, and the winner of that gets to move on to the semifinals. There are eight teams in the semifinals split up into two sessions. And then the top two from each of those semifinals make it into the regional final on the third day of competition. So we were afraid that UW was going to get put in a play and meet despite being ranked high enough to not be put in one because there's an element of, of geography that comes into play when the NCAA chooses which teams go to which site. But luckily, they did not put UW in a play and meet, so we are very thrilled about that. So how teams are placed at each regional is the top 16 teams in the country are seeded by rankings. So basically, geography doesn't matter for them at all unless they're hosting. So there was actually a complication with Denver and... Um, would have been seated to go to the LA regional, but they're hosting. So yeah, there there is an element of geography that can sometimes come into play, but usually doesn't. And then the remaining 20 teams, so that's 36 teams total, are at the mercy of the NCAA powers that be to be placed at a regional site by a combination of rankings and geography. So based on this, we were guessing that UW was going to end up at the LA regional in a play-in, but luckily they are not. So the NCAA did actually do a pretty decent job of putting most of the lowest eight ranked teams in the play-ins, regardless of geography, with the exception of poor number 28, Arizona, who should not have been placed in one by rankings. But going back to geography. That's just for Arizona, man. (laughs) I know. Hopefully they'll make it out. Yeah. Um, so there is a rule that says that any unseated team who is located within 400 miles of a school who is hosting must be placed at that site. So number 29, West Virginia, is well within 400 miles of the Pittsburgh Regional. So they got sent there. And there were two other lower ranked teams already going to that regional as well. So West Virginia got lucky and did not get put in a play in. But that means poor Arizona did. I know this is a Washington podcast, but if if Washington were in this position, I'd be we'd be pissed about it. And we almost were. We were kind of concerned that it might happen. But that's just such a silly rule, especially since like Arizona just tied with Washington. Like they deserve better. I'm not a, I'm not an Arizona fan. I just, you know, back the pack, hashtag back the pack. And I just they don't deserve that. And that's just too bad. You know, I, I hope the rules change and they just seed the top. What is it? Twenty eight um, by. Yeah. Like make them seated. The top thirty six. Everyone, 16. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just seat everyone. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. True. Exactly. Like there just needs to be a change. Another change we'd like to see, in addition to you know some broadcast stuff, is just stuff like little things like this make the sport seem really unfair. And just the fact that we were the gymnasts had to even worry. They had to go into Pac twelve championships being worried about being placed into a play in spot despite being number twenty seven. It's just unnecessary and unfair and i think whatever we can do to remove unnecessary unfairness from the sport should be done so i hope that they fix that because ultimately it's not that much big of a deal for a team to have to fly a little bit farther you know if it makes the sport more fair that's how i see it 
Yeah. And that reminds also, me of something we didn't touch on, which was in, uh, in the preview episode that I did for pac 12s I mentioned that we needed to get above a 196.375 to have a move in the rankings. We scored exactly a 196.375, so we did not end up moving, but we did end up staying number 27. So ultimately it didn't affect us. As you I- talk about your dream, Susie. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> it must have been speaking about that in the preview because I had a dream the night before Pac 12s that UW would score a 196.375. And sure enough, they did. So that was a little bit creepy, but I think I know where that came from. So it wasn't completely random. <laughs> this should probably be spliced in a little earlier, but um, every year since they changed the postseason format, one team has gotten a little bit screwed over in terms of the play-in and has ended up in a play-in when they definitely shouldn't be in a play-in. I think NC State was the first victim of that. And I can't remember who it was last year, but this is the third year. Stanford. Stanford, okay. I don't remember if Stanford wasn't seated to be or if they weren't, if they shouldn't have been in a play-in, but they did end up making it all the way to the regional final, which is what NC State did as well when they got screwed over. So that's kind of a cool little trend that's been going is a team that gets screwed over and put into play and ends up making it to the final. So maybe that'll be Arizona this year. Yeah, it's I I do enjoy the postseason format. It's cool because now we can have a fun little bracket. And that definitely is fun to fill out as a fan. I'm not saying we need to be more like ball sports, but the bracket is just a fun predicting game kind of thing. And the pattern that at least one team has gotten screwed over in the exact same way every single year means that there's a problem and that does need to be addressed. And it could be as simple as simply seeding teams, seeding all the teams instead of seeding just the top 16. So the other teams that are at the LA Regional in session one, which is where Washington is of the semifinals, will also be number five, Utah, number 12, Auburn, and, and number 21, Southern Utah. So it'll be pretty unlikely, honestly, that UW will make it out of this semifinal and make it to the regional final. But you never know. Every year, crazy things happen at this meet. It doesn't matter what you've done to get to this meet. It only matters what you do at it. So if we hit and another team doesn't, we can make it to the final. And then in session two will be UCLA, who is number four, number 13, Missouri, number 20, Stanford, and the winner of the play-in meet between BYU and Boise State. So I would expect that from this regional, the two teams that will make it to nationals will be Utah and UCLA as they're ranked number four and five. But as I said, anything can happen. So it's going to be very exciting. Okay, so let's talk like best case scenario. Like, let's just say Washington has the best meet of their life. And we go obviously above 187. We need to do that if we have any chance. Well, we definitely need to be Southern Utah and we need to be Auburn to make it to the next round of regionals. Auburn is 197.48. They have, sorry, Auburn has a 197.48 national qualifying score. Washington only went above 187 once this year. So realistically, Auburn would have to, you know, probably like count a fall. Um, but one thing to consider is that they do not currently have Suni Lee, who's, you know, Olympic all-around champion, their star. She is out with a, quote, non-gymnastics-related health issue, which has like kind of gone mini viral as a little term. Um, So that could possibly help our chances. They are a very good team otherwise, even without SUNY. But uh, I I feel like we can beat Southern Utah. I don't think that's outside of the question. Um, Auburn's going to be a little tougher. 
I don't think we have a chance of beating Utah, Utah, but I don't know. I don't see it outside the realm of possibility. I mean, you never know. All it takes is one team having, you know, a bad day. Exactly. Yeah. I'm looking at Auburn's scores for the season right now. And just a couple of weeks ago, they scored a 196.45 and they have also scored a 196.55 this season. So it's definitely possible that if they have another day like that, that we could surpass them. I feel like best case scenario would be getting to the second round, but I love UW. I love UW so much. I just, I don't think nationals is a super realistic expectation. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think, I think just getting to the next round would be a really good goal for them. I don't think they're going to be able to beat both Utah and UCLA with almost more than a point difference in their NQS. It's just, especially without our start values on vault there, even if we had the best day ever, we're still going to be 0.5 behind because of those vault start value um, issues. Although not everyone has it like all Nobody has like all 10 star values, but still, um, it's really outside of the realm of possibility to probably to make it to nationals this year. However, well, obviously in the postseason, we'll probably be talking a lot about, you know, the, the freshmen that are coming in and the potential in the future. But, um, I think best case scenario, we make it to the second round. Thankfully, we're not in the play in spot, which is great. And, you know, it'd be great to see them in the, in the regional finals, but. If not, you know, they had a great se- great season overall. So, um, you know, we'll see. Hopefully the pressure's off them. Uh, one story that I always like to remind everyone of is um, of Canada in the 2022 uh, World Championships, Team Canada. They came in seated at eighth and they ended up finishing third and got a bronze medal uh, in the world championships. And so I always like to think of UW as, you know, like Canada, they're the underdogs, uh, underdogs of the W. <laughs> and yeah, they don't, there's not going to be a lot of pressure on them, I don't think. And, you know, maybe they'll do better with less pressure. Uh, you don't have to worry too much at regionals because you're really just, especially being a team that's you know, not seated super high. There's really not very much pressure. So hopefully that lack of pressure will help them a bit. Yeah, I would say that making it to the regional final would be an incredible accomplishment for their season. Even just making it to regionals, I I say that they could call this season a success at this point. And we also haven't talked about the possibility that some individuals could make it to nationals. So we do have some individuals on the team who've scored higher than 9-9 this year. So if they do that, at regionals, they very well could become an individual qualifier to nationals. It is very hard to qualify as an individual to nationals. You have to be the top finisher on each on, on any event or in the all around once you remove the two qualifying teams. So it's a tall order, but it's definitely another possibility. Like, for example, if Brenna got a 995 on beam and then you remove the top two teams, which we are predicting would be Utah and UCLA, then it's a possibility that a 995 could be the next highest score. And I do not know how they go about tie breaks. I, <sighs> I, I don't know if they break them or they would just send two individuals. I think they do break them. I, I would assume they would add, add back in the two scores from the four judges that get dropped. But I don't know. That's a good question. But I do That's remember that last year in the first semifinal, Skylar Killa Wilhelm actually won the all around. So she did have the opportunity to potentially make it to nationals. But unfortunately for for us and for her, Jade Carey was in the second regional. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I 
<laughs> and Oregon State did not qualify to nationals last year. Yeah, so. they actually didn't even make it to the regional final, which was one of the shocks from last year. Well, the shock That's from a good- the year before okay. was that Oregon made it, or Oregon State, my apologies to all of the Oregon State fans who get mad when you say Oregon and not Oregon State, but the... The surprise the year before was that Oregon State made it to nationals and Florida didn't. So there's the Canada story of coming in seated eighth and finishing third. And then there's also Florida having two falls on beam and not going to nationals. Yeah, that was exciting. (laughs) So like, okay, let's, let's speculate. So because these aren't our teams, we can make some guesses. So who does everyone think is going to make it out of regionals? If it's okay, like. Of course, we want it to be Washington, but if it's not Washington, if it were Utah and UCLA, who I personally think it's probably who it's going to be because they're ranked fourth and fifth, um, that would mean that we would, all of our individuals would have to, any individual who wanted to go to nationals would have to outscore Auburn, Southern Utah, Missouri, Stanford, and the other individuals who qualified to regionals and whoever wins through Boise, uh, BYU and Boise State. I mean, it's not, it's okay. Missouri has some really good floor workers, really good vault, but maybe on beam or bars. I mean, I, it's, I could see it happening. Southern Utah doesn't, I think they're pretty like neutral on each event. They're not like outstanding on any one particular event, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility that a UW gymnast, um, because those other teams are kind of like lower in the rankings, like Auburn's 12th and Missouri's 13th, like, um, I think that kind of gives us a little bit of leeway if someone, you know, hits and has like a 995 type of routine. It's possible that an individual could qualify. Yeah, I do wonder if SUNY Lee will compete because if she does, then that would make oh, it really yeah. hard. And also Cassie Stevens is a strong all-arounder from Auburn. So she has a very good spot, a very good shot of getting that all-around spot if Auburn does not qualify. But my predictions for people from Washington most likely to have a chance would be Kennedy Davis on beams, and she scored a 995 just a couple of weeks ago. Um, Amara on floor, she's also scored a nine, actually a 9975. Um, and Skylar could in the all-around, but with Auburn, that might not be possible, but we'll see. Yeah, and Missouri has some good all-arounders as well. Uh, I agree. I kind of, this is the point of the season. Well, actually the entire part, well, entire part of the season, I've kind of wished that Brenna had the chance to be not in the leadoff spot because I think she deserves to go to nationals on beam. She's seriously got to be one of the most consistent beam workers around. And I just feel like she, she and Kennedy are, have been really solid this season, but Brenna especially hasn't even like, she's barely even had wobbles this entire season. She's just been really, really consistent. And I, it's too bad. I feel like she would be scoring higher a year later in the lineup, but it is what it is. And um, yeah, if we can get anyone to, you know, qualify for nationals, that'd be awesome. Um, I hope that the individuals are aware that that's even, you know, a possibility that even if um, the team doesn't make it out of regionals that, you know, any individual can make it. I think that's one of the great things about gymnastics, actually, compared to other sports is like, you know, even if your team isn't, you know, going to nationals, you can always be, you know, if you're going 995 plus on a routine, you have the chance to make it to nationals. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're completely right that Brenna is also another one who could. I'm so used to seeing her getting scores below what she deserves that I forgot exactly. that she also does have a 995 this year and she has yes. not fallen on any of her beam routines. So if she 
does what she usually does and the judges reward her, then yeah, she's absolutely got a chance as well. If they judge her like it's a routine at the end of a rotation instead of yep. at the beginning, then it's possible because I have no doubt she'll, she will hit that routine. Like I have no doubt in my mind, she will be really solid and yeah, just the judging, unfortunately. Okay. Predictions or my dream? You're both, both. Okay. <laughs> my dream would be Skylar qualifies in the all around. Yes. And Brenna qualifies on beam. Brenna or Kennedy. Well, we're both. Uh, no, seniors. just kidding. They both can't. <laughs> yeah. Brenna or Kennedy on beam. Morgan Bowles on bars. And Amara on floor. That would be the dream if I if I could choose someone um more realistic. I don't know. I think they should take top two because they take the top two teams. They should take the top two scores on each event, uh, in my personal opinion. But I feel like Skylar has a decent chance of qualifying in the all-around. It just really depends on what teams get out and which and which teams go. And yeah, the two beam workers, I feel like those are the most likely. Skylar might qualify on bars, unless I'm making up that she's gotten a 9925. She has She's gotten a couple. Uh, yeah. Lily Tubbs Three. has also gotten a 995 on bars. Like I could see like Lily Tubbs has a very stick sticky dismount. Like like she could go 995 like feasibly on bars if she had a really good day again. Um so I wouldn't count her out either. I just want to give a shout out to gym parents overall because for at least the first 16 or 13 years because most people start at age 3, but for 13 years they were usually the people driving to and from practice and either working at the gym or driving home and driving to meets and doing hair and traveling all over the country and now continuing to travel all over the country to meets. And, you know, I don't want to assume every single gymnast has an amazing relationship with their parents, but I just do want to give a shout out to the good parents who have been there every step of the way and helping their kids succeed and get to this huge accomplishment in life of being an NCAA athlete. That's so sweet and so true. Like I, I'm, I'm so happy I got to meet a lot of the UW gym parents and there's so many cool stories that they told me that I don't feel comfortable sharing because they didn't give me permission to share, but I just want to say they're all really incredible people. And um, I'm just like really proud of kind of like, not just the UW fan base, but the parents and the coaching staff. And like, it just, I have so many like warm and fuzzy feelings coming out of, coming out of Pac-12s from. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, feel free to reach out to us with questions or feedback at uwgymdogs at gmail.com. That's dogs with a W. You can also follow us on social media at UWGymDogs, and you can see my photos at Split Precision on Instagram or at SplitPrecision.com. 